This is Royal Barber from the Toledo Jeep Wrangler plant, and you're listening to the Jeep Talk Show. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Today's episode is brought to you by Extreme Terrain, a leader in YJ to JL Wrangler parts and accessories. Stay tuned later in this episode for their announcement on their 12th annual Go Topless Day happening May 18th, 2019, and how you can get involved as an event host. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. Hey, my name is Tony, and I have a four-Jeep family. Oh, so much work. I can only imagine. My <laughs> name is Josh, and today is my birthday, so I'm not really sure why I'm still here. Wasn't I supposed to get a day off or something? What's going no, on here? Uh-uh. <laughs> He's just calling sick like I did. I'm typhoid Tammy, and I'm here just to get everybody sick. And speaking but, of that, you got in trouble for going wheeling, didn't you? For yeah. somebody, one of our listeners will, took you to task for uh, yes. uh, having fun and not showing up for the show. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> sick last week, but I went, I stuck it out and went wheeling on Saturday. Somebody goes, I thought you were sick. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, Josh, what's coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show? Glad you asked. We got a good one tonight. Uh, we've got Pierce Umloff, president and CEO of Jeep Jamboree USA. That's a big one, folks. This week in Jeep, we're going to hear about some big moves FCA is making in Detroit, and we're going to hear about a harrowing rescue of a Washington State Jeeper. That's a scary one. There's a first time for everything, and this week's Wrangler Talk, Tammy goes into the gory detail about her first time. Guiding a trail, that is. What did you think I was talking about? We're still looking for a new content contributor as well. Nikki G graces us with, graces us with his presence, not his essence. Thank goodness. Oh, there's so much more in this show, so stick around. I was I was thinking it was that that incident where she was uh, uh, providing pictures of her feet for additional thousand. Oh, uh, no, no. Yeah. Additional thousand followers on YouTube was it, Tammy? Yeah, that <laughs> was first weird. time for everything. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. Looking for a way to support the show? I bet you are. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Press the big Amazon button there, and you'll be taken to the magical land of Amazon online shopping. While there, anything you purchase will give the show a few cents while costing you nothing more. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we do here, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look for the big Amazon button. Well, close call for a Washington Jeep owner. Witnesses and Washington State deputies raced to save a woman on Wednesday who was trapped underwater in her Jeep. Investigators say the Jeep Wrangler clipped a passenger car and a dump truck prior to running off the road. The Jeep careened off West Railroad Avenue and narrowly missed a family's home took out their satellite dish, and snapped a tree in the front yard right before crashing down an embankment and rolling into Coffee Creek. Elizabeth Avery, who lives in the home that was nearly hit by the driver, says she looked out the front window and, quote, sees this Jeep just plowing through my front yard. She, of course, did what any of us would do at that point and dialed 911. Avery's niece, Janaya Smart, who heard the crash, 
told local news stations she and two men were the first ones to reach the rolled Jeep. They said they immediately tried to break the Jeep's windows to rescue the driver, whose head was already underwater when they arrived. We were trying to break the windows out, but they were really strong, she said. The doors of the Jeep were locked and the situation was getting worse by the second. Apparently, the driver of the Jeep was underwater for about four minutes before deputies arrived and were finally able to get her out. The driver, who hasn't been identified yet by investigators, wasn't moving, was very pale and blue, and wasn't breathing. She was given CPR at the scene and was taken to a nearby hospital. The Mason County Sheriff's Office said at last check, the woman remains hospitalized in critical condition. The dog that was with her is fine and suffered no injuries. Deputies say they're still investigating what went wrong, including whether the driver had a medical emergency or if she was intoxicated. Very, very scary. So let me ask you, I don't know if you have more information on this, Josh, but is the Jeep salvageable? Will uh, Will it see the road again? You know, judging by the pictures and the video that I saw, it looks like it's just going to be body damage. It looks like the the major mechanicals of the of the vehicle, the engine, the drivetrain are all relatively uh, okay. Now, this thing did go down a what I'm going to call a cliff, an embankment. Oh, nothing. Wow. This was more or less a cliff. Um, now, it it wasn't as bad as some of the um, uh, some of the uh, the accidents we heard about last year, where people lost their lives. Obviously, this one could have gone a different direction. Um, and what exactly led up to the, the, you know, the actual incident itself is still unknown at this point, uh, whether there was alcohol or speed involved, whether it was somebody who was, um, you know, having a stroke or, or something, we just don't know. Uh, regardless of that, I mean, just an absolutely harrowing situation. Uh, I, I can only imagine what the first responders were, were seeing. I mean, four minutes underwater. I, I just can't imagine, uh, you know, having hope through all of that. And still, you know, having the wherewithal to be like, we've got to do our job, get this woman out, get some CPR going. And and thankfully, they were able to resuscitate her. That's just a miracle unto itself. So I think you guys are getting too used to me. You're getting desensitized. So when I say something very arrogant and uh, uncaring about the individual, but a concern about the Jeep, you're not it outraged. It goes right it over. It goes right over your <laughs> yeah. head. You weren't outraged. At, oh, my God, oh, Tony. That's, how that's, that's how can you be so course. cold? It's, it's, it's expected. <laughs> of, course totally I'm, expected. of course, I'm more concerned about the lady than I am about the Jeep. It's just it was a joke. <laughs> Uh, you know, in the, speaking of the breaking out the windows, it wasn't until after they got her out that they realized it was a zipper. So they uh, they were just punching plastic. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder these things won't break. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. In all seriousness, though. Hey, we got uh, information on uh, some big moves uh, happening by FCA in Detroit. Uh, they announced Tuesday, in fact, that uh, FCA is planning on building a new factory in Detroit. The factory won't be brand spanking new, but rather will be built on the site of the company's existing Mack Avenue engine complex, with the conversion process getting this, get this, costing $1.6 billion, Holy a billion cats. with an M. The plant is... <laughs> the plant is earmarked. people when you do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the plant is earmarked to build the next generation Jeep Grand Cherokee and Jeep's long-awaited three-row SUV, which we've been talking about here recently, in fact. FCA says the factory would also be used to build plug-in hybrid variants as well as offering the flexibility for pure electric versions of those vehicles down the road. Construction on the plant is intended, isn't intended to begin until the end of the second quarter of this year, with the first three-row SUVs set to roll off the line by the end of 2020, and the next-gen Grand Cherokee arriving in the first half of 2021. The plant conversion is expected to add nearly 4,000 jobs as well. 
Today's announcement also included details on the production of two other new Jeep models. FCA will retool its Warren truck plant to build the new Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer, as well as their electrified counterparts, starting in early 2021. That alone is expected to add over 1,400 jobs, FCA said. The factory will also continue to build the Ram 1500 Classic, also known as the outgoing Ram pickup, to meet customer demand. FCA says the factory announcements reflect its deliberate pivot from small cars to the far more popular and <clears throat> profitable Jeep and Ram brands. FCA has signed a memorandum of understanding with the city of Detroit with regard to acquiring property that will be needed for the factory's expansions and the updates. The city now has 60 days to respond. FCA also says that the announcements are contingent on development packages with the state and other local governments. I think if we read between the lines there, that means substantial tax breaks for the automaker. So I want to make a prediction. Uh, we're, we're seeing a mm -hmm. major corporation uh, in Detroit and, and putting a lot of people to work. I, I think this is going to be the, the, pre, or the prequel to RoboCop. The next thing they're going to be coming out with is a, a human machine cyborg. <laughs> It'll have the Jeep logo on it. Right, Mark my yeah. words, this is the beginning oh, of RoboCop. Geez. <laughs> some mini guns on the side, you know, just just in case, you know, belt fed. You know. <laughs> well, if you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, it doesn't matter if it's uh, serious or not. Be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, interview with the president and CEO of Jeep Jamboree USA. Pierce Umloff is with us. Stick around. We love taking our Jeeps off-road for a little action, and now you can get some Jeep action at home with Jeep Action Magazine. Check out their website at jeepaction.com and keep listening to the Jeep Talk Show to find out how you can win a year's worth of Jeep Action Magazines. That's jeepaction.com. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, more tips, tricks, and hacks for when you're wrenching on your Jeep. <laughs> how to how to cuss and not let the wife hear you <laughs> you're listening to a 4x4 radio network podcast you know we're always asking to go check out the 4x4 radio network and it's for good reason too there's a ton of great shows they're putting out content all the time and make sure you guys are spreading the word we've got something for everybody at the 4x4 radio network how about the on the trail podcast uh, Trail Chasers is there as well. The Center Steered Podcast, that's a lot of fun. And don't forget about Dan and the 4x4 Podcast. Oh, man, that's one of the best ones there. It's all for free. It's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, guys, at the Jeep Talk Show. It's XJJ calling. Hey, just been uh, catching up and keeping up on the podcast here. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, I did attempt to go back here a couple weeks ago and watch... Jeep Talk Show, or I believe it was XJ Talk Show, uh, episode number one, and uh, boy, was that just about like pulling teeth. Uh, sorry, Tony, but it is what it is. So, uh, hey, I just had a quick question for you guys. Um, as some of you may know, uh, my Jeep has turned into quite the uh, feat, I guess you could say. Um, so two years ago, uh, we put in uh, 488 gears and went to 35-inch tires. So we wheeled it pretty pretty hard that first year. Uh, the last session of the year, we had a massive catastrophic, catastrophic failure, 
ended up breaking a ball joint on the driver's side, an uh, alloy USA ball joint, might I add. And then, of course, in the process of doing that, took out the axle shaft as well. So um, with my issues at the time, I had switched jobs and was a little short cash. Um, I ended up putting in CB axles out of a ZJ. Um, needless to say, that did not turn out very well either. And uh, we ended up breaking a CB shaft on the driver's side again. And uh, I have not, as of yet, had time to pull that out. But I do believe that I'm going to end up dropping the entire carrier in the front axle to retrieve what is left of the axle shaft. So that being said, I'm not going to be making the CB axle shaft mistake again. Uh, my question to you guys is, uh, I've had a couple guys recommend to me the alloy uh, almost alloy kit for my knockoff road. Basically what that is is a cap kit that gets welded over the um, the ears on the axle shaft and covers up the end of the U-joints. Um, they're fairly reasonable. I believe they're about $29 a side. Um, obviously then the other option is going to uh, alloy uh, chrome alloy shaft uh, which can run anywhere from 350 to 500 bucks. I don't know exactly where my Jeep is going to end up, but if you follow the build thread on the on the XJ uh, Talk website, there it's progressed quite rapidly. So, just wanted to pose the question to you guys and maybe see if any of the other listeners may have an option or an idea. Hey guys, XJ Jake again. Uh, Tony's probably giggling right now. Because uh, he had that nice lady cut me off and say, thanks for calling. Uh, is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, uh, mull over the question that I proposed and uh, keep up the good work, guys. Appreciate everything. Uh, nice to hear that things are going well for everyone. Uh, have a good one, and we will check with you later. Bye. Hey, guys, XJ Jake again. I forgot to harass Tony because I was going to do that earlier. <laughs> Boy, I hope your ears were ringing earlier this week because I was cussing you out. Uh, you were talking here a couple weeks ago how you'd only seen snow twice in your life. I sent you that picture of my Jeep by email with the pile of snow. We had eight inches of snow earlier this week, Tuesday night and into Wednesday. So, Tony, from all of us here in Minnesota, F you and... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hang on. If you want some of this snow, you can have it in Minnesota. And I know for a fact we've had over 30 inches of snow just this month. It is currently Friday, the 20-whatever, and we are looking at another 2 to 3 inches tonight. So, Tony, if you want some, come and get it. You know, I've probably said this before. Every time I hear XJ Jake talk, he doesn't sound that way in his emails and his text messages that I get from him. It's just I don't hear that. I can hear the no. No, (laughs) I can hear it. They um, actually, uh, where my family lives in southern Minnesota, they had 600. They shut down I-35, which is the interstate that runs. 600 what? Inches? No, they had 600 vehicles stuck. (laughs) Sorry. 600 vehicles stuck on I-35. They had to shut the highway. There was so much blowing snow. It was such a blizzard. They had 20-foot drifts. Jeez. Um, 
Yeah, so 600 vehicles were stuck in southern Minnesota on the interstate. So that's people a great were, place wow. for a taco stand to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, people need to eat. Right. <laughs> nice and warm. So, so I'm sure XJ Jake is probably like, shut up, Tony. <laughs> Yeah, we got right. snow for you. There you go. I want to help all you people out there. I hate got me. your snow. Snow is right just so here. pretty. It's just so right. pretty. Twenty foot snow drift. How much fun would that be to go jump into? I mean, come on, it's heaven. Yeah, like minus twenties, Tony. I dare you. <laughs> Polar Bear Club. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hey, betcha. Let me let me address uh, XJ Jake's technical questions here real quick before we get uh, too uh, off topic. Um, you That's know, Jake, I, I don't know uh, exactly. I haven't been following your thread in, in a while, so I, I can't remember exactly what oh front axle you have. God, uh, it's um, if it's a Dana thirty uh, still, um, you definitely have a ton of options to go um, before you you know throw too much more money down this road uh, replacing stuff. I know you've uh, got a lot of money in gears and stuff already, um, but you might want to think about a forty four upgrade, especially if you're you know thirty fives, maybe thirty sevens in the future. Uh, 488 gears or I mean even 513s. I can't remember what you said. Um, but uh, I mean you're into some deep gearing and 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 some and some big wheels, uh, big tires rather. Um, you might want to think about some more serious upgrades. The almost alloy kit um, that he was talking about, that Jake was talking about from Iron Rock Off Road, is basically um, it replaces the the circle clips essentially the the clips in your in your um, uh, U joint yokes and it, it more or less welds on. Um, add some strength to the, to the yoke ears, um, and and it will help prevent the yokes from from deforming, and and that's the number one reason for broken U joints and and broken axle shafts. The yoke starts to stretch, and the U joint goes, and that takes everything else out with it. Now, obviously, Jake had a catastrophic failure of the ball joint, um, which had a snowball effect. Which that is definitely what happens when the ball joint goes out, especially out on the trail. Um, uh, all I can say is unless you want to fork out some serious cash for um, actual alloy shafts, um, stepping up to like 31 spline shafts or something like that, your only other option is to start carrying spares with you or to start upgrading the stock stuff. And what I mean by that is something that we talked about, I don't know, um, a dozen episodes or back or so, it talked about some cryogenic treating of, um, of axle parts, uh, primarily gears and shafts. And you can get as much as a 30% increase in strength just by cryogenically treating um, something like your, your axle shafts or your gears. Think about that. It's going to cost you a lot less than those chromoly shafts will, um, but you're going to have to weigh it out versus strength and, and downtime and all that sort of stuff. So, Jake, I hope I'm pointing you in the right direction here. Good luck with the build. I, I, it, it sucks, man. I've, I've had some bad luck myself with some axle shafts where one summer I think I broke three different axle shafts, all in the front, uh, and all in one summer. So, yeah, I could feel your pain, brother. I remember you threw, uh, threw a cap or two uh, driving down the highway one time. Yeah, I well. did. I was just driving to work one time, and, yeah, all of a sudden, I you know get off the get off the freeway and, and going on around the on-ramp and, and or off-ramp and click, 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 click. What's that noise? Pulling the gas station, and, oh, crap, my U-joint's falling apart. Yeah, the trick was to uh, keep going 70, and it would be just fine. Um, straight. That was the key. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no turns. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so, Jake, I'll make it simple for you. I believe it is a Dana 30. Uh, you want to sleeve it. You want to truss it. Uh, and you want to do the, the chrome molly axles, uh, axle shafts. And you want to use the uh, U-bolts for the uh, on the, uh, the yoke. And 
you'll be good for 500,000 miles. Yeah, my, the, the, my suggestion is, the, I, my suggestion is trade it in for a Rubicon. Oh, I was going to say the sleeving and the truss will definitely add a, a boatload of strength to that axle, but uh, whether or not that's going to uh, protect your, your axle shafts or your ball joints, well, that might be... Uh, oh, and, uh, and, and gusset the C, gusset the, the knuckle. Definitely gusset yeah. the C. Yeah. And, Good uh, advice, Tony. And, Good and, advice. And, and don't, do, don't use the alloy uh, USA um, uh, Well, I think he's already joints. learned that lesson the hard yeah. way. Well, you found it out too. So have I, I'm, and two of my friends. Yes. I'm going back to Spicer, man. I just I hate Seriously. that. Yeah, Seriously. I mean, uh, what was it though? I, I got the uh, Synergy, I think uh, that they were mm-hmm. like 300 bucks. Yeah, and, and I'm already having problems with them. So <clears throat> I'm I'm just going to go with the 50 dollar or whatever they are, and uh, and replace them when I need to. But uh, I'm going to go back to Spicer. Ever had the urge to wrap yourself in Jeep Talk Show merchandise? <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, now you can. Head over, head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash store and you'll find t-shirts, iPhone, and Android cases. I was like, oh man, that iPhone, that's big news. But no, it's just the case. Uh, all sorts of stuff. And it's sporting the official Jeep Talk Show logo. And uh, if you get some JTS goodies, be sure and share a picture on social media. We'd love to see you sporting our goods. jeeptalkshow.com slash store. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey. Shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. Well, Tony and Josh, even though I was a little under the weather last Thursday, I (laughs) um, fucked up and um, saved my energy. What up? Yeah. I bucked up bucked and up. saved okay. my energy. Yeah, no, I bucked up with the B. My energy and um, I was planning on going off-roading Saturday and I, I still did. I Funny how you were well enough uh, to, to go know. off and oh, I'll go off-road and I, not show up for the show. Um, but so I finally met a group of Jeepers in my area, um, Montgomery County, they're MoCo MD Jeepers. And so I finally hooked up with them on Facebook and they were, um, they had gone off-roading two weeks before last Saturday and I'm like, darn, I can't make it. So they said, oh, when can you make it? And I said, Saturday. So, you know, we met up and I'm like, okay, what kind of trails do you guys do? And they're like, greens, blues, and blacks. I'm like, okay. And so we get there and I'm like, well, so who's leading? And they looked at me and they're like, you are. <laughs> the person that asked. <laughs> the the person like, that smelt it, dealt it, I think is how right. it goes. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I can do they, this. Yeah. I was like. No, Tammy, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you did you mention where you guys all met up at or where, where oh, you yeah. were wheeling at? Roush Creek Off-Road Park. Yeah. So, um I was like, holy crap, what am I going to do? Now, it's okay to talk um, about this, right? I mean, the trial hasn't begun, and I don't want you to, to hurt your case. Right, no, it, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, and the thing is, the park has snow all over. There's still snow there, and it has like it had like probably, I don't know, um, an eighth of an inch, that might be a little too thick, but of ice on oh, top okay. of the snow. It was the crunchy snow where you have to like oh, yeah. push your foot down really hard to, otherwise you'd slip all over. So we, you know, I'm like, okay, I think I can do this. I'm just going to 
they actually saw the the Jeep badge of honors on my Jeep and they're like, cool, what are these? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's this app and you can get three badges here at the park. And they were all excited and they downloaded the app. And I'm like, okay, I can do trail 11. I can guide them to trail 11. And the only thing that saved me is the Maprika app. I think oh, wow. I probably could have done it without the app, but it's really, it's really, um, the trails are um, signed really good. There's really good signage, but I sometimes get lost. But the Maprika app follows you with the GPS, so you know exactly. So you're you're talking. Where you are. You're talking about getting from the staging area to the trailhead. Actually, not not navigating the trail, but actually getting to the trail oh, itself. No. But all of it. Oh, okay. yeah, trail as well. All the trails. Well, I would imagine the snow makes it a little uh, different to the way it looks too. So well, that and just like when you're not trail guiding and you're following a bunch of jeeps, you're not. I I'm not paying as passengers much attention. never pay attention on to how you get back to the to the right. compound. So. No, but I but you're just so focused on going over the obstacles, you're not like really paying attention to the signs. But I've been on the the green trail so much, I felt like I could probably do it. So you know, it was fine. I'm you know following the little map and I'm looking for the signs, making sure I'm turning in the right places. But it was a really eye-opening experience because the trail guide is a lot of responsibility because you have to make sure you get these Jeeps through without Mm -hmm. damaging their Jeeps. So it's a lot of stress. So I didn't get to videotape as much as I like to. I didn't take as much pictures as I like to because I'm trying to follow the map on my Maprika app, which was awesome. Plus, there... Some of the trails hadn't even been um, ridden on yet. They're still oh, were just wow. so there were no tracks. So um, at one point, I'm like, okay, I remember being on this trail before, and it was a green trail that intersected with a blue trail. And I thought <laughs> I was following it right and going the right way, but the trail was still just pure snow. There were no tracks. So, but the blue trail had tracks. The green trail didn't. I made a <laughs> wrong turn and we are I knew, in. I knew this was coming. <laughs> we're on this really difficult blue trail. And one of the guys wheeling with me, he didn't have lockers. And when you're in the snow, icy oh, snow, man. it's really, yeah. really hard. He had to winch himself a couple of times just to get through some really muddy God, snowy Tammy. areas i know Tammy, t- let's take a break for just a split second let's talk about the other vehicles that were with you we know a little bit about the specs on your vehicle what were the other rigs and and a little bit about what uh, you know sort of tire size and what they were that sort of thing well there were three other jeeps with me they were all um wranglers one was a, a jl a brand new jl oh wow yeah and he it was it was a Rubicon JL, and he did a really good job. He was on a two point five inch lift. I was just about and, to ask if he had any uh, any uh, any mods done. Yeah, and he had thirty five. Did he have thirty fives? Actually, I don't know if he had thirty. No, he didn't have thirty fives. I don't believe so. Uh, but the other ones, they were all comparable to my Jeep. Um, the two of them did not have the lockers, so they had a more difficult time in the ice and snow. 
Um, but the Rubik or the JL was phenomenal. It did a really good job. Um, no issues at all. Um, so yeah, we, when, when there's snow and, and really slick conditions like that, the green trails turn blue and the blue trails turn black. Um, so it was a little difficult, but I got everybody through undamaged and they had a blast and they can't wait to go again. So it was, I was a, just about to ask if there was any, any, any trail damage at all, any, any you know, a pop tire or, you know, maybe a, a dented bumper, you know, something like that. Nope. It was, it was all just some, some muddy shoes and that was about it. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Very good. It was very good. It was a good, um, eye awakening experience. I think if I did it without snow, it would be a lot easier. Oh, sure. So. Yeah, well, look at thrilled. it this way, Tammy. You you basically did something you've never done before, and you did it in conditions that probably couldn't have been any worse, honestly. Right. So, right. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the level of experience that you gained from this is invaluable because any other time that you're going to be guiding a trail, it's not going to be in as bad of conditions. Even if you've got 10 Jeeps, you know, three times right. the Jeeps that you had before, the conditions are going to warrant you a lot less stress than than what you experienced this last weekend so congratulations for guiding your first uh your first trail run and for getting everybody through and uh and through without any damage or injury nonetheless uh right. very very good job tammy good job also too tammy if you haven't already done so uh go over to your jeep talk show resume and, and update it to trail boss okay. <laughs> there you go um they they did um they did have experience so that was very helpful thank goodness um and they were all good at, you know, spotting each other and spotting me. And um, but it was it was a very fun fun day. And coming up later in the show, we're going to be hearing some, who knows what from <laughs> Mickey G. You know, there's a pause for comments. You weren't going to let us give any comments there. I mean, you oh know. well, yeah, you can. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I was commenting. No, the joke was is we were interrupting you constantly while you were doing your <laughs> doing your segment with comments. Right. <laughs> yeah, I gotta give a shout out to Jerry and David for writing into the show this week. Jerry shared with us a video of him testing out a new OHV park. Talk about virgin territory. That was really cool. And Dave wrote in after hearing about Nate's transmission problems with his 42 RLE. Dave's a mail carrier, and his uh, 2009 right-hand drive JKU has just over a quarter million miles on it. And he's had to rebuild his 42 RLE a couple of times already. I guess, uh, according to him, they really don't like the heat too much. And his 400-some-odd uh, times of starting and stopping each day, five days a week, has definitely added a lot of heat to his transmission. So he added an auxiliary cooler and a remote filter kit, which seemed to help a little bit. If Nate is in Texas, Dave recommends Access Transmission, who he says is definitely worth the drive if you need some work done. Hey, this is Allie from up here in Canada. I just wanted to phone in. I was listening to your recent uh, episode when you were talking about torque, and I wanted to uh, tell you my uh, joke that my father always said when somebody said, you want to see torque? Torque is when you got a heart on so bad you can't bend it underneath the toilet seat to take a pee in the morning. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, I responded. I responded to him saying, "You know, we have a our bathroom has a little door to it. So if you've oh, ever no. seen ever seen those dogs trying to run through an opening with a, a long stick, that's me." Oh God! 
kids or parents, if your kids are listening. Oh, for F's sake. It's too late. It's too late now. It's yeah, got an explicit yeah. rating, Tammy. I know. <laughs> love, Daddy, what? love our Canadian listeners. Love our Canadian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> hey, if you haven't heard, we're giving away stickers. All you have to do is send us a self-addressed stamped envelope or a SASE. To find out where to send it, head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. You'll see how to contact us there, and we'll respond with the mailing address eventually, uh, or you can send your SASE. And for a limited time, you can become a JTS ambassador. You'll find uh, you'll get more stickers and JTS cards. Now you can leave a sticker or a card under that windshield wiper, that badass Jeep you were all you always see at Walmart. Just write ambassador on the envelope. Hey guys, my name is Jeremy. I'm a longtime Jeep owner, and I've only just recently discovered your podcast. I don't know how I missed it for so long, but neither do we. Um, I'm on my sixth. Jeep. Um, actually, they've all been Wranglers. Um, now driving a 17 uh, Rubicon Recon Edition that we've been building up since uh, we bought it about a year and a half ago. And uh, currently live in Utah, having a lot of fun out here, just exploring every little mountain and hill and uh, off-road trail we can find. We spent a lot of time going out of Moab. Um, I thought it was interesting when we listened to your show the other day about uh, how you were going around helping people out in your Jeep, and that's exactly what we do. You know, Utah, especially this year here in Utah, we've gotten a lot of snow, and so we spend a lot of time uh, on snow days, not only shoveling our walks and our neighbors' walks, but we hop in our Jeep and we drive around, and we're winching people out of ditches, and we uh, are helping out uh, people who, you know, are just stuck. And, you know, it, it's not uncommon for us to help four or five or six people, you know, within a single uh, just road trip out to the grocery store or whatever. So it's a lot of fun to be in a Jeep and to know the capabilities. One fun experience I had the other day, it snowed about 8 to 12 inches in our neighborhood. Uh, I drove over, was driving over to the store, and I picked something up for my wife, and there was a truck who, in his attempt to retrieve a little Honda Civic from a ditch, got himself stuck too. I hooked <laughs> up my toast truck to that, pulled them both out, and the guy's like, holy cow, your Jeep is amazing. And I said, you know, well, it's, it's not the Jeep, it's the traction, it's the gearing, things like that. He's like, you yeah, know, maybe I should yeah. get a Jeep. And I said, you know what? I think everybody should get a Jeep. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> love the show. Thanks for what you're doing. Uh, thanks for, uh, you know, all the, the great tips and things like that. Keep having fun and uh, look forward to talking soon. Do you guys remember back a few years ago, uh, there was another one of these uh, snow snowmageddons and uh, there was uh, vehicles uh, all trying to make their way down a major thoroughfare, and it was they just weren't able to get any traction. And a a rock buggy shows up out there pulling people down the the, the freeway. You know, illegal to be on the road, but the only oh, thing sure. that, only thing that could move on that uh, yeah. the horrible snowy icy surfaces. It was hilarious seeing this. Just I mean, it was a rock bouncer is machine. what it was. Yeah, yeah. it's it, not a vehicle; it's a machine. Yeah, <laughs> and it was really cool. And uh, you know, that's that's kind of the feel that I have when I drive my Jeep every day. I look oh, around, hell yeah, and I see these other vehicles, and I'm thinking, I'm not, you know, that's fine. You're getting that great gas mileage. You're you know aerodynamic. You can you, you can accelerate do fast. What I can do. You can accelerate faster <laughs> than me. But this is Houston. It floods. I'm going to be able to get from point A to point B every day. It doesn't matter what the situation is going to be. And damn it, I'll die trying. <laughs> you got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo!
Last week, we started another multi-part series outlining some useful tips and tricks for when you're wrenching on your Jeep. This could be anything from swapping out a part, to changing your oil, to upgrading that tired lift kit. Anytime, really, that you break out the tools, there's oftentimes a little hack that can make the project go a lot smoother. Last week, we took a trip back to high school physics class and learned, among other things, how to increase torque to make getting that stuck nut or bolt come off a little bit easier. Today, we're going to learn another aspect of physics, and that's the principles of thermodynamics. Now, before you tune out and let your eyes glaze over, this is actually some elementary school stuff. It's simple, really. All you have to do is remember the old saying, hot expands, cold contracts. We could, of course, go into the molecular physics that makes all this possible, but this is a Jeep talk show, not science class. Thermal expansion and contraction is a beautiful bit of physics that can really make certain Jeep projects go a lot faster. So why not use it to your advantage? One of the most common places to utilize thermal contraction is when installing hub bearings. Now, if you freeze them and heat the object they are going to be installed in, they drop in buttery smooth. Now, it might not make much sense to put your wheel bearings into the freezer along with those otter pops. That is, unless you're one of the millions of Jeep owners who have had trouble fitting a new unit bearing into a knuckle. But you get the idea. Anytime there's a press fit, particularly when it comes to like bearings or something like that, just freeze them, freeze the part that needs to go inside the hole and heat up the part with the hole with a propane torch. The cold of the deep freeze will contract that will contract the part slightly and the heat from the torch will expand the hole. And voila, hot dog down a hallway. Moving on from the geeky to the organized, there are a few things in this world worse than that feeling of, oh crap, where did this bolt go again? Anytime you tackle a major wrenching job, it is critically important to keep track of all the where's and what's. Keeping your parts and tools organized is a key skill and one that drastically improves wrenching efficiency. If you're constantly crawling around on the garage floor or driveway looking for this socket or that screw, well, you're inevitably wasting valuable time. Spending a few minutes along the way, taking pictures, bagging, and labeling parts is the key ticket to wrenching success. Obviously, not really needed when you are just doing something like, you know, rotating your tires, but when doing something really complicated, you know, stuff like uh, with lots of nuts and bolts that are coming off, get a few sandwich bags, sandwich size Ziploc bags, and a Sharpie. Use your phone to take some pictures of them before and after, including a picture of the bag labeled as to what's in it, as all a part of the photo set. I promise you, doing this was the only reason I got my head back together properly. Another aspect of this is what I like to call cardboard keepers. Now, taking one of those old Amazon boxes you have laying around and turning it upside down and punching a series of holes in it in the same pattern as, say, something like your head or your oil pan or transmission pan will give you a template for keeping all those fasteners in the positions that they're supposed to go back into. The order is also preserved and all the fasteners are all in one place. And you can hang it up on the wall or throw it on a shelf for safekeeping until the time comes to reuse said hardware. Just be sure to punch the holes with a small screwdriver. The smaller the hole, the stronger the bite, and the better this cardboard keeper will hold on to those screws or bolts. And speaking of nuts and bolts, I'm going to close this week's segment with a tip for those who don't want to fork out the cash for high-penetrating lubricants that can deal with those stuck-on or frozen fasteners. I'm about to teach you the best way to make your own. Simply mix up a 50-50 blend of acetone and automatic transmission fluid. It really doesn't matter the flavor. Apply liberally to seized bolts, let it soak in good and long, and it should turn like it was never stuck in the first place. From physics to chemistry, you're learning something new over these last couple weeks, aren't you? Well, be sure to tune in next week. I'll be digging up some of those most useful tips and tricks yet. That was a really good idea, all of those. 
Um, I don't know about uh, the other water pumps. Uh, I think the TJ is kind of the same way, but I always get have gotten into the habit after changing so many water pumps on my Cherokee that uh, as I take the bolts out, I place them in the right place on the new water pump. Uh, it's just this temporary thing, but that way, because the the I think there's a couple of different size bolts for the for the water mm-hmm. pump, and uh, the, the I like the cardboard thing, but uh, I don't ever think that far in advance, so I just use <laughs> I just use the <laughs> I just use the new part to put it in, and uh, I think there's like five bolts that uh, hold the water pump on. So, and you want to make sure you get the the short one and the right one, and the, the mm, long one yeah. and the other one. It's not so bad if you put the long one. Uh, or the short one in the the deep hole, but it's it, it's potentially bad if you put the the short one in the uh, uh, up the long one in the the short hole, which you know is also don't want to bottom out early. That that nobody important. Likes that. Yeah, important on a Friday well, night. Well, when you talk about that, I I know this is not like a really big mod, but when I was putting on my tail lights, I got little like a little design that you can put over your tail light, and you when you're taking the taillight off, you don't realize you're not paying attention that one screw is shorter than the other in the two places that you have. So when you're putting the thing back on, you're like, why is this not working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so important to pay attention when you're taking something apart and yeah. taking the time to really think about what you're doing. So when you go to put it all back together, so I think these are some really great ideas and it kind of makes you think, okay, you got to stop before you do something and really think it through because it'll save you so much aggravation. Yeah. And I mean, well, also that, go ahead. I mention this every time, but I'm going to, it's uh, to me, it's just so important. If you, if you have drum brakes and not all, not all of us do, but if you have drum brakes, take several pictures of it from many different angles because there's a lot of little things. It looks really simple until you take it off and you're trying to put it back on. Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, the, uh, taking pictures is incredibly invaluable. I mean, even if you think, okay, I've done this a hundred times, um, you know, obviously if, if you're literally on your hundredth break job, you probably don't have to um, u- utilize a lot of these tips or tricks. But, you know, for those who are, are you know, new to jeeping and, and wrenching and stuff like that, it is so invaluable to take a picture of what you're working on, like a drum brake assembly, or you know, like your your ter- uh, transfer case linkage, or you know, it, it fill in the blank uh, before you turn the first wrench. That way, you have some sort of a point of reference. And even if it's you know, I know I'm going to delete all 12 of these pictures that I know I don't need right now. You never know an emergency can come up, and all of a sudden you're 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 a week in between your wrenching sessions. And oh, yeah. there's a lot that was forgotten in that week. And all of a sudden, well, these six bolts that are on the ground, where the hell did those come from? I don't remember taking those out. Where'd those go? And, you know, you'll have some reference with those pictures and obviously the tip of, uh, you know, labeling and packaging and, you know, stuff like that, bagging up fasteners and labeling where they came from. Uh, and, of course, having a picture to go along with it. Obviously, you'll never have an issue as far as, far as you know, where did these bolts go? You know, uh, if you take lots of pictures, there's at least a chance that you'll have uh, absolute evidence, photographic evidence, that the 10 millimeter uh, socket was really once yes. there. That you had it at <laughs> I swear one point. I had it. See, it was in the <laughs> right. picture. On There's the evidence floor right here. It's like the Bigfoot or Loch Ness monster of, uh, <laughs> of repairing your Jeep. <laughs> well, anything to add? Maybe you have a, a wrenching tip or trick for the audience yourself. Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk that you'd like answered. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com/contact and send us a message. 
You're listening to G Talk Show, the number one G podcast. At my mom's house. Hey, this is uh, Josh Downs. I was listening to episode 373 and heard you asking about where to buy parts for your Cherokee. Uh, as a longtime Cherokee owner, I feel the pain of finding parts. The place that I've been going to a lot recently is TeamJerokee.com. Uh, they have, they carry a bunch of new old stock and they carry a bunch of new stuff that will work. Uh, that's where I've gotten all my door seals from, my little weather wipes for my, for my roll up or for my, uh, my power windows, uh, connectors and sensors. They carry a lot of stuff that other places don't carry, uh, and for a, a reasonable price, whereas other places would charge you an arm and a leg, i.e. Quadratech for stuff like Crown. <laughs> Uh, for example, for the 95 Jerkies I have, they have a fed, they have the original Mopar steering wheel for $88. Quadratech sells that same steering wheel for $233. Ooh. Anyway, I just wanted to let you know about that, uh, that company. They've been good to me. Uh, you guys have a good one. Yeah, it's a very good point. I don't think I've mentioned, uh, Team Cherokee on, on the show ever, if, if at any time. And I've, uh, I've used that in the past. Um, there's also a, a Team Wrangler. Uh, as well, I th- I'm sure it's from the same folks. I, I will caution you, uh, anybody that's a Cherokee owner, and you go over there. Uh, they have a lot of stuff for pre 97 plus. Uh, they have some uh, uh, 97 plus stuff, but most of their stuff is pre 97. Oh, they've got a whole section of 97 to 2001 stuff. I mean, the 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 pre 97 stuff might have a larger menu, yeah, but yeah. good lord, I mean, I'm I'm looking. I mean, they have. Down to the nth degree, that one hard to find bolt that you've been looking for for so long, they've got it all, and it's like brand new, like front seat track four piece stud mounting set OEM for Cherokee and Comanche, nineteen eighty four to two thousand one. The entire set to replace the stud, the mounting studs for your for your seat tracks. Hard to find bolts. You're never yeah. going to find these anywhere except for in the junkyard or a place like Team Cherokee, and they have all four for ten bucks. I mean, come on. Uh, you're not going to find that kind of stuff anywhere else. And I mean, they have aftermarket stuff as well, OEM stuff. I mean, from shift knobs to air boxes and beyond, uh, Team Cherokee, definitely an awesome resource. We'll, of course, have a link in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, I, I do the 97 plus caution because it seems like everything that, I, that I'm trying to find, they don't have. They'll have it for the, the pre-97s, but they don't carry it for the, the post-97s. So. Um, yeah, but it's a good place. I always go and check there, uh, whenever I'm looking for stuff, especially if I don't want, especially if it's OEM because they do carry a lot of OEM stuff. Well, it might be a little bit cold out still to take your top off, depending on where you're listening from, but come May 18th, 2019, it will be the perfect weather to drop your top for Go Topless Day sponsored by Extreme Terrain. Tony, get your mind out of the gutter. We're talking about naked Jeeps, not naked people. The worldwide event was originally founded by Gene Winuck of All Things Jeep back in May of 2008 after a brutal Massachusetts winter with 65 Jeeps in attendance. With XT's acquisition of All Things Jeep last year, Extreme Terrain has assumed a responsibility as the official Go Topless Day event sponsor and wants to make the event bigger and better than ever before. In order to do that, Extreme Terrain is actively searching for Jeep clubs and organizations around the world to sign up as a host. There are many perks and benefits that come along with this title, so you don't want to miss out. Each event host will select their charity of choice to raise money for throughout the day, and for the hosts that raise a minimum of $500, 
Extreme Terrain will contribute an additional $500 towards the same preferred charity. To sign up as a host or to learn more about Go Topless Day, head on over to ExtremeTerrain.com or click the link in today's show notes at JeepTalkShow.com. And you tell me to get my mind out of the gutter. Have you ever gone to a Go Topless Day? <laughs> There's I beads, seen one Josh. out here in Oregon yet. There's so. beads. I don't yeah. have to say any more. <laughs> I know about beads. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Heidi ho, boys and girls. We're back here for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And this week we have Pierce Umaloff, and uh, you may uh, know him from the Jeep Jamboree. You may also know him from uh, a uh, interview that we did many, many years ago. I think it was 2014. So, uh, Pierce has been an integral part of Jeep Jamboree USA for more than 19 years. He only says it feels like 27. Uh, Currently as president and CEO, overseeing the business day-to-day operations of more than 700 staff and 50-plus annual events, domestic and international, having begun this off-road career with Jeep Jamboree USA uh, as a special events coordinator. Pierce's experience with Camp Jeep events led to his leadership in their uh, company and growth and offerings. Throughout his tenure with uh, Masser uh, and JJUSA, Pierce has overseen the logistical coordination of Rubicon Trail operations annually, moving 65,000 pounds of supplies via helicopter each season to set up uh, complete camp accommodations. Wow. Uh, He oversaw construction of the Quantico uh, Marine Base uh, Severe Off-Road Track and vehicle testing uh, on the Rubicon Trail, aiding in the product development for Jeep products for the past 13 years. Most notably in the past couple of years, Pierce led the JJUSA team that spent 45 days in Brazil installing a permanent off-road test demonstration course for Jeep South America plant in, oh my gosh, what is that word? Perm- oh, Pernambuco. Thank you. Uh, and Gazentai. In addition to his day-to-day operations, Pierce oversees the development of worldwide database of trails around the world and traveling to some of the most remote off-roading areas in Kenya, <laughs> Tanzania. What, what is that one? Oh, Tanzania. Tanzania. I never, I've heard that one before. Uh, Morocco, India, Cambodia, Viet, uh, Vietnam, Argentina, uh, Chile, Peru, and uh, many parts of Europe. In addition to thousands of trails in North America, his ex, uh, this extensive database uh, and enabled, is it Masser? M-A-S-O-R? Yeah, M-A-S-O-R, yeah. And JJUSA uh, to facilitate events for brand owner loyalty uh, product launches uh, with automotive media, media, corporate incentive trips, and marketing, advertising, video, and all uh, photogra- uh, photography shoots. My God, wow. Pierce! I don't. Wow. I th- I, wow. it's, it's all down from here. We can't talk to you about anything I that's going to make this better. <laughs> wow! I need, I need to thank our PR director for that 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 <laughs> intro. I mean, just the places alone. My gosh, your 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 fly uh, your miles on your uh, what do you call them? The free miles that you get for on your car. Miles. Frequent flyer. That must be amazing. Yeah, it's it, we, you know we we put on a lot of miles a year. I think last year was. A couple hundred thousand, you know, miles in, in a seat of an aircraft uh, flying around. But, you know, but this is, this is what, I mean, you talk about a passion turning into an opportunity. Um, we get to go around the world jeeping. Um, it's not, <laughs> it's, 
it's 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 one of the the better jobs I could I could ever wish for to say the least. Totally, totally. That's amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Now, um, now has this changed drastically in the past? Uh, what was it, seven or so years since we last spoke with you? Uh, it it sounds like you guys are are really involved in a lot more things because I think the big thing we talked about back then was uh, the, the thing everybody knows about, which is you guys going out to the Rubicon and all that, that special stuff that you do for the Jeepers out there. Yeah. Well, I think what's, I mean, what, what's changed in the industry is there are a lot more opportunities and there are a lot more Jeepers now on the road. I mean, you know, Jeep is producing close to 25,000 units a month out of their, out of their plants. Uh, there's a lot of people buying vehicles. So we're seeing that, you know, things are changing throughout the Jamboree platform that we're having 50% of the people who are showing up at Jamborees have never been to a, to an off-road event before. Um, so it's great because to us, the Jamboree platform is about introducing people to the sport of off-roading. We, we joke in our office that we take a Jeep owner, somebody who owns a Jeep vehicle, and after their experience at a Jamboree, they become a Jeeper. You know, they become... Um, the whole vehicle and the lifestyle becomes them a little bit. Um, and um, it's just nice to see that transformation. You know, it was interesting. We, we saw not just over the last couple of years we talked, but when the four-door Wrangler came out, it changed the entire dialogue with families. And we're seeing a lot more families at these events across the country. We literally had people um, call us up years ago when they, there was only still a two-door Wrangler and people would go, look, I, you know, we can't come anymore. And, you know, we're like, why? And, and they go, <laughs> we're having a child, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, right. it was a child or a Jeep is what the decision really was. But these people would come back, um, you know, many years later and, and kind of say, well, you know, we're coming back and, and we, and why would change? We, we were able we have a four door now. And it really shifted the dialogue um, with families wanting to get out. And, you know, uh, you know, I have three kids and they, to, to get three kids out hiking is really difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you make it a couple hundred yards and it's like, I've got to pee or I've got to do something. And so the fact that you put them in a vehicle and drive up to these beautiful areas in the country, do it and you, you're still off the grid, um, but you can get your family still out to America's backcountry and enjoy it, do it safely um, and have a good time, you know, kind of share that, that quiet alone time with your family. So we're seeing a lot more families at events, which is great. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm glad. Uh, and I bet you guys are glad to see a uh, Jeep coming out with a four door. I was just curious, uh, you know, when we, when we speak of Jeeps, uh, we always think of the Wrangler cause that's the most iconic uh, vehicle. And of course the one that started it off, uh, not the Wrangler, but the, the, uh, the military version of the Jeep. I would assume that you guys are open to all forms of Jeeps. And I thought uh, that would be a good question to ask for people that want to get involved in this that may not have a Wrangler. Yeah, so we are open to all forms of Jeeps. Um, some Jamborees are more um, uh, adapt better to uh, vehicles that are stock like a Grand Cherokee. Um, obviously, the, the Grand Cherokees are models that are the Trailhawk models with you know more aggressive tread tires and tow hooks and skid plates and rock rails are, are more conducive to the to the Jamboree environment. You are going off road for two days and you are putting your vehicle through through some abuse. But um, just some of the statistics, though, it, it's it's amazing. You know, although we do see some of those uh, vehicles at Jamborees. 98% of the vehicles that show up at Jamboree's are Wranglers. Um, wow. And what's interesting, though, is, is not only do people have a Wrangler, but when you ask them, it's not that they don't have, that's their only Jeep vehicle. You say, well, how many, what other vehicles do you have? And they go, oh, we have a Grand Cherokee at home. Our daughter who just went to college has a new Renegade. And and so they're, they're Jeep families. Um, it, it's really fascinating. They, they bring the Wrangler with them or they tow the Wrangler uh, with a truck to the event. Um, so they're kind of 
they have a lot of toys, you know, in the garage where they, uh, and sometimes the Wrangler is the daily driver as well. But um, a lot of these folks, we did a survey years ago of Jamboree participants and the average uh, participant had owned uh, uh, it was seven Jeeps in their lifetime. That was the average. Um, and they were a Jeep owner for an average of, of 21 years. Um, that was the average. So these are diehard fans, you know, um, that, 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 that are coming to these events. And, and we do see, like I said, the hand raisers up there, a lot of newbies coming to these events. But uh, some of the newbies have owned Jeeps many, many years ago and are kind of are coming back into it because of that uh, you know, introduction of the four-door Wrangler. Yeah, the family, the family's raised and they're trying to get back to their passion. Yeah. So I see that you are like coordinating the logistics for these camps. How do you, that seems like overwhelming. That's what those 700 people help him with. <laughs> I know, an overwhelming <laughs> yeah. responsibility. How do you do that? Uh, we have a really, we have a great team of, of people that, that assist this, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of passion. So the, the camp in Rubicon is primarily what that's re- referencing is that we have a base camp in, in Rubicon. So Mark Smith, who is the founder of this organization in, in 1953, he started the first Jeep trip on the Rubicon trail. Um, and, and subsequently through the years, through two different partnerships that he put together, they bought all the private land on the Rubicon trail. And so we have a, a base camp uh, through a group called Rubicon Soda Springs, and it's 400 acres uh, in the middle of Rubicon. And we utilize, that's where kind of our halfway point is for our groups and, and a lot of groups, but we man that with a caretaker throughout the summer. So um, people who come in and might have a broken part or need to connect with a family member or have a family emergency, we have a satellite phone in there for them to, to communicate out with. We have uh, restrooms in there. We have um, you know, extra water. We have extra supplies in case people need it. But that Rubicon Springs is is really what we where we when we facilitate our Rubicon events, um, we helicopter everything in. So you can drive to base camp in a in a in a regular Jeep. It takes about anywhere between six to nine hours, depending on the conditions of the trail and the traffic on the trail. Uh, you can fly it one way in four and a half minutes. So we end up airlifting uh, a lot of supplies in there. But yeah, there, there's a, a master check sheet that we <laughs> kind of go over every year. Uh, that continues to grow every year about what we need in camp to ensure that, you know, when we talk about we have everything and the kitchen sink, we literally do. Wow. Um, when, when we do our events in Rubicon, we have everything from the most advanced medical equipment uh, because you're, you're really away from anything. So if a participant or a staff member has a medical emergency, um, our staff is, you know, trained to, to, to operate AEDs and, and oxygen and defibrillators and, and all that stuff. Um, and so, you know, we have all that in there, plus, you know, welders and, and all equipment for vehicles. And then we have to have everything for people to eat, you know, when they come in there. So when you when we do an event of 300 people and we're serving seven meals um, on that event, it's a lot of logistics. I think on that event alone, we have 75 staff members uh, just to ensure that it runs runs well. Have you done it enough times now where it's it's not that big a deal? Is like, you know, clockwork, the bum, 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 or does it, is it, uh, scary crazy every time it's scary crazy every time it's a, it's a <laughs> lot of logistics it, it really is uh you know the the amount of coordination with 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 helicopters and medical crews and trail guides and camp staff and food preparation to ensure that you know the preparation we're doing is safe for people um, and then every year the participants change so um, the challenges with the, with their vehicles are are different but um, we run a lot of events in there so we run one large you know public event in there once a year but this year I think we had a total of 13 trips up on the Rubicon uh, for you know different things we we had run the gladiator over uh, earlier in the season with the engineering team 
We had done international media waves. We had done the launch of the KM3 tire up there for BF Goodrich. So there was a, we used the Rubicon for many different platforms, not just uh, consumer events, but corporate events as well. Oh man, that just, it just sounds wonderful. Uh, now I guess it's pretty obvious that you guys being a, a premier Jeep, uh, I, I don't know what you would call it, somebody involved in Jeeps and, and a name, Jeep Jamboree USA, some, a name that everybody knows, I guess that it helps you get involved with, uh, with Jeep proper, but that, that has to be a great feeling to be able to be involved in the launch of a new vehicle like the Gladiator. Uh, it is, it's, it, you know, it's, for all the team members on, on our side, it's a it's about the passion we have. So anytime we have the opportunity to connect with a vehicle that is, um, you know, uh, to be a part of it before it comes out is it's just a it's very prideful for the whole team. It's mm-hmm. something we take a tremendous amount of passion and um, and interest in, obviously, you know. But yeah, it's it's one of those um, one of those moments you go this this is pretty cool, you know, that we get to do this, <laughs> and so we get to sit back and go, uh, you know, all those late nights and early mornings. It pays off for those those moments when we get to do something like that. So what is? I, I just went onto the the website Masser. Yes, yeah, so it's, it stands for, well, M-A-S-O-R, we, we call it as well as, is Mark A. Smith Offroading Incorporated. So that was, that's the parent corporation of Jeep Jamber USA. Um, and that was obviously Mark's, the, the parent company that Mark started many, many years ago. Um, and so that company itself um, does everything from owner loyalty events, like the Jeep Jamber program, um, we build uh, off-road courses uh, for uh, different venues. It could be, like you mentioned, the Quantico Marine Track or the Chelsea Proving Grounds. Um, right now, we're in the process of building some tracks for some some product launches and and some other other things around the the, the world. Um, we do uh, product launches for companies. So we not only do the product launches for Jeep, but we're involved with a lot of other aftermarket product launches. So a lot of times you'll see a, a product launched like the KM3 tire um, or other um, off-road uh, manufacturers. And our team many times from the MASOR side is just dressed in their uniform. So we utilize our expertise that we've kind of developed over the years of, of jeeping and off-roading um, and taken that in more of a corporate package and said, you know, if you're going to launch your product and it's an off-road uh, based product, and you need to do it in an environment that's going to show well, we start the dialogue with these clients really early on and say, well, what is the product? Well, let's say it's a tire. Uh, we say, where where is it going to get the best traction? You know, well, we know it's going to be on rocks or our, our focus of the tire is mud evacuation. But what type of mud is great for evacuation? Is it a clay mud or is it something that's a little more loose with gravel in it? And then we look at our database because one of the intellectual properties that we have is the largest trail database in the world. So a client comes to us and says, you know, we want to run through Africa or the, the Himalayas or or the outback of Australia. We can we're able to put those together for them and and kind of mirror their image um, of an event uh, that matches the, their brand and their product, and then hopefully uh, have it in an environment uh, that is uh, successful to the launch of that product. So we do that for a lot of different uh, of aftermarket companies as well. That's amazing. Oh, the whole thing is amazing. I, you know, yeah, I, I think like of Jeep Jamboree. I, I think of the Rubicon Trail. The probably uh, the the biggest thing that most people know you for. And I hear all this other stuff. You guys are just huge into everything. It's it, it anything off road Jeep, which I think is just wonderful. Yeah, we're spread a little thin. <laughs> it's one of those things where we don't spend a lot of time at home, unfortunately. But you know, that's also the passion of the whole team. So um, you know, we're we're gone quite a bit. Um, we, we, we invite family members to join us on the road a lot because that's where we are, but it's, it's, you know, it's a grueling time. I mean, 
you know, there are many days where our crew is up, you know, they're, they're getting four hours of sleep a night uh, doing some of these events where back to back and they're on planes traveling the globe and literally landing, you know, and, and getting on, uh, uh, getting in vehicles and going. So, but that's the, you know, that's the beauty about doing something that you love. It doesn't feel like work all the time either, you know, so. And you guys uh, do focus on Jeep only vehicles or do you do other vehicles? So the MASOR brand does, the MASOR company, we do a lot of different manufacturers uh, assisting them. But the, the Jeep Jamboree obviously is Jeep specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and we work a lot uh, with uh, the, the, the Jeep division of FCA um, uh, on, on, you know, just like the, the engineering run over Rubicon or uh, how, assisting with product launches, ensuring that the off-road integrity of that vehicle stays intact when people get to see it. So, you know, the beauty about what we get to do is is highlight the off-road capability of those vehicles. So a lot of times for these media launches, our job is to uh, find a route or con- construct a trail or construct a demonstration course that can push the vehicle to its limits um, and, uh, and showcase and highlight capability and do it in a manner that says, you know, when people drive that vehicle through a course, they go, wow, this is still a true Jeep 4x4. And so it's fun to do that. We did an event for JL uh, last year out of Tucson, Arizona, and the course that was constructed in, it was right outside the Saguaro National Forest on a piece of private property. And, you know, the journalists are walking away from this going, no other manufacturer would allow us to do what we just did. <laughs> and that's what's great about it, because that vehicle really can be pushed to the limit. So it was a, it was a really gnarly course. But, you know, you're developing a new vehicle you're 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 saying to the world this is the best and most capable four by four that's ever been made and our goal is to make sure that 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 story gets told yeah now you say you you work a lot with uh fca jeep corporate uh help me here i can imagine a time where you're walking into the office and whoever's taking the call for you says hey mike manley is calling you again and you have to rush to your office to talk to mike uh the president of uh, fca Mike doesn't call me, um, so, uh, so I don't have to worry about that. But I, you know, I've had the opportunity to to be with Mike on on the Rubicon and at other press events. And the reality is, what what I believe Mike has done for this organization. I mean, think about it when it was a Daimler, you know, and 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 he's really. I mean, Jeep is Jeep and Ram have been there. Two uh, amazing brands that have just flourished. Um, and Mike was obviously the, the president CEO of Jeep for, for many right. years uh, under his tenure before he was named, uh, you know, president CEO of FCA. And, you know, I've been with him out in the Rubicon Trail and he's driven it and he's, you know, been in camp and uh, he understands it. And from a dealer's perspective, he, they, they really feel like he gets them as well. So it's, it's nice to have that type of leadership and you see vehicles that are being produced from that leadership, from everybody, from the design team, from Mark Allen, you know, to the engineering team, to the, the brand team. I mean, they have such a, a core focus of, of this this uh, entire brand. Um, it's just nice that they've stayed intact for years. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been nice because we do get that opportunity um, to to share uh, those thoughts and, and, and talk about it with those individuals. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We love Mike Manley. And that's the way you have to say it, by the way, Mike Manley. Uh, we love uh, we love Mike here because uh, he did such a great job with uh, the JL and uh, almost forgiven him for the Cherokee debacle. Um, 
I do, I do not care for the Cherokee, the new Cherokee. I was very hopeful that there would be a, a nice little, uh, you know, new Charger or new uh, Chevy uh, Camaro. You know how they came out with those things and they were so cool looking. And then they came out with this tennis shoe and they called it a Cherokee. I was, I have a Cherokee uh, Pierce. That's the reason why. So I was just very hurt. In, uh, now, what in year is your Cherokee? Mine, the, mine is a 98. Okay, so oh, oh, so you have oh, you have a a a, a Cherokee, Cherokee. Absolutely. Okay, okay, gotcha. I thought you had one of the new ones. No, God, no. <laughs> no I, well, they redesigned. I know they redesigned the front of it in, in nineteen, and I, I do think it made a, a big difference. I know a lot of people had commented, obviously, on the you know the harshness of the front of the Cherokee for years after it came out. But I know in nineteen they they redesigned that front and took kind of away that that. Uh, you know, um, angry. Yeah. The, yeah. the squint, squint eyes. Like, can I see where I'm going? I, you know, off road's not yeah. good for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just amazing that we had taken a Cherokee through the Rubicon, uh, when they came out with the Trailhawk version and don't get me wrong, we threw some rocks to get it through, but we were, we got halfway through the trail and our whole team was like, Oh great. This is going to be one of those days, you know? <laughs> um, and it did pretty well, you know, we yeah. were, we were pretty shocked at, at its capability. Well, um, but, well, Pierce, yeah. you can tow anything with a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did it under its own power. I no, I'm, I'm did, just so. I'm just giving our Cherokee owners a, a hard time. But yeah, no, I, the Jeep builds a good product, and they certainly were uh, spot on uh, because they sold a lot of these Cherokees, and I think continue to do so. So they they knew what they were doing. It's just for the the Cherokee, the uh, eighty four through two thousand one Cherokee yeah. owner. Yeah, it's just like it was. Uh, oh God, this well, is just a you know a tennis shoe that with wheels. There was nothing though like the old Cherokees. Did nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's funny. I was in a I, I was in a grocery store about a year ago, and I I I, I have some Jeep clothing on or something, and, and the, the gentleman, the head clerk at this grocery store, says, "Oh, you you have a Jeep?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, a couple." You know, and we start talking. He goes, "Oh, well, my Cherokee." Is about to turn five hundred thousand miles. And I'm oh like, Get my goodness! Here, you know, and he goes, no, 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 seriously, I have like four hundred and seventy thousand miles on. And so every time I came back and we talked, and it, and it got a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. Well, he called me this past summer, and we went out to a parking lot, and he had been circling for a while, and he goes, all right, I have four hundred and ninety-nine <laughs> miles on it. And so I came down, and we videotaped this little thing on my iPhone. We threw it up on our Facebook page. It has like one hundred and fifty thousand views, but his vehicle turned half a million miles. And he's like, I go back, I went to a grease monkey and he goes, I go to a Napa auto parts store and anytime my fuel filter goes out or something, it's life, it's lifetime warranty. So I go back in and he has these receipts. (laughs) They were 25 years old. You know, he goes back and he goes, you said it was lifetime and he puts another part in it, but he said it was immaculate and I just couldn't believe it. So yes, for the diehards, the new Cherokee was a a tough one to bite, but um, I, I get where Jeep, you know, Jeep is. His goal is wasn't just stay here in North America. Their vision is we want to take this brand around the world. And uh, I know the design of that that vehicle I rubbed some people the wrong way, like yourself. But it was it was based on a lot of international design. And how are we going to start making this brand uh, a, a brand that's global? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and that's a lot of the design. The, the the future designs of these vehicles is how do you take it overseas? And it's fascinating because you go to overseas and the overseas markets just don't get it. You know, where he's like, this is a Jeep. And they're like, what? And they, they don't understand it, you know. And so it's some of the dialogue that's challenging in overseas markets is to get to understand that this vehicle is capable of something extraordinary. And um, it's it's fun to have these international markets come to the United States and drive something like the Rubicon Trail where oh, they're yeah. like, they, you know, they're white knuckling it going, there's no way. I can do this. And when they walk away from that experience, it's no different than when we've had our first experience four-wheeling. It's they, they walk away from it just in awe of, of what, what the vehicle is capable of. 
You know, I'd sit here and chat with you for a long time, but I want to make sure people know how that they can get involved with uh, Jeep Jamboree and, you know, probably the, the best event for them to, to get involved in. Obviously, JeepJamboreeUSA.com is the website to go to. But what would you advise somebody that has a Jeep? Uh, maybe they've heard about Jeep Jamboree for years and never did it and they want to get involved. Uh, obviously, go to the website. But what would what would be your recommendation for them to get involved with Jeep Jamboree, the, the best event for them to be, a, to be a part of? Well, you know, we have 36 events across the country. They run from March all the way through the first weekend of November. So there's a, lots of opportunities. They go from all the way from Maine all the way to California. Um, and so there's there's lots of opportunities. The best thing to do is either call us, you know, talk to Savannah or Sean or Ty in our office. Um, the, you know, they can answer questions on all of the individual trip pages on the website. Um, there's a there's an event coordinator. You can reach out to them. You can shoot them an email. All of the trips as well have individual Facebook groups. So you can go into those individual forums. You do have to be approved to get into them because we make sure people <laughs> aren't trying to sell certain things in yeah. there. But, you know, ask questions. Uh, we see people who are going to to events and they'll get on the forums and say, you know, I'm thinking about going to the you know, Call Mountain Jeep Jamboree. Can anybody tell me what it's like? Well, the trail guides are typically a part of those forums, as well as the local coordinators. And they jump right on that with past participants and they share a lot of information. So it's a real, a lot of authentic information coming from the past consumers or the guides at the event. Um, you can also email the, like I said, the, the, the event managers, the trip coordinators for those that are office. Um, and But pick up the phone. Give us a call. Um, we'll help you kind of select the right trip that is uh, the, the right trip that's matched for your vehicle's capabilities and your driving capabilities. Now, you mentioned uh, the 36 events across, uh, the, oh, I'm sorry, that you guys have a year. Are those located all in one area? I mean, we know about the Rubicon Trail, but are is it possible that some of these events could be closer or further away from people? Oh, yeah. So, so I mean, like I said, we have events in New York, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, Florida, Michigan, I mean, they're all, you know, you know, Wisconsin, I mean, they're all over the place, Texas, Colorado, they're, I mean, they're, they, they go over all the United States. So what's nice is they, there's probably one locally to you within, within a couple hundred miles. Um, it just depends what time of year we try to plan these out in times of year that are, that are, you know, conducive to great weather and, and good times. You know, obviously we have rain sometimes, but that makes jeeping only that much more fun sometimes. Um, but, you know, we started this year, we, had a, we did our first jamboree up in Drummond Island uh, in the dead of winter, uh, called the winter, the first uh, winter Drummond Island Jeep Jamboree. And we had, I think, 30 inches of snow a couple of days before the event. Um, uh-huh. And we had the Saturday of the event, it was negative 23 below zero. Um, <laughs> so it was a true winter experience. But people loved it. They all were going out and they're breaking trail and they're having such a great time. The pictures that came out of it were just epic. But it shows you that Jeeps just aren't just for mud and, and sand and dirt. Like for all these environments, they're just great. And uh, people, and that's that camaraderie that comes together. We always say that people come to a jamboree because they, they're coming for a trail ride. That's why they come. I want to take my Jeep on a trail ride. But the reason why they come back is because of the people. Um, we hear it time and time again. They go to an event. And they say, God, I met so-and-so and they're such a nice couple. And we're, we're, gonna, we're planning our next event with them. They're coming back because they've met people there. And it's a like-minded group of people. Um, what we appreciate about this most is you have people that are in social aspects of this world that would never meet because of their social circles. Like we had one year a federal court judge and, and this local blue collar mechanic, you know, but they happen to be on the same trail together. They never would have met outside of this. They never would have. They don't run in the same social circle, but they become best friends and they would go to these events all the time with each other. And that's it's like breaking down these barriers going, we, we like each other because we can connect with each other. And, and that's what makes the Jamboree program, I believe, so unique. 
Yeah, my wife always gives me a hard time. So you just don't, you never talk to people or anything. And then you talk to all those ham radio operators and you talk to all these jeepers <laughs> and stuff. I said, well, I've got two things that are built in when I'm talking to these people that I know that we have something in common to talk about. Uh, it, yeah. it, takes a, it takes away a lot of the effort that you have to put into it, too, because you can say, hey, how about that Jeep? You know, and boom, you're it, into a no, conversation. It, it is. I, the other day I was pulling into a store and someone pulled up next to me in a Wrangler and we got out and I said, you know, the woman got out and I said, nice Wrangler. She goes, oh, I love this. And we for 10 minutes, you're, you're talking about this vehicle and how it was the dream or dream to own a Wrangler. And it was just this. You, it, I don't know. It's, it's natural. It's authentic or it's mm-hmm. organic. Everything that comes out of that conversation is just so neat to listen to people and you just have this immediate bond with somebody else and you go i really care they're a jeep owner they're a good person <laughs> you know yeah, exactly yeah. it can't be all that bad they, they like dogs exactly. and have a jeep you know so exactly so uh, obviously you're not driving the bentley whenever they pull up in their jeep you must be driving your own jeep what uh, what, what jeep do you have well i had a grand cherokee um we, you know jeep ensures that we have a, a fleet of vehicles so we actually go oh, back wow. and forth between a lot of vehicles <laughs> so you know we typically drive wranglers we have a couple we have a couple wranglers in our fleet we have a couple grand cherokees we have a lot of ram trucks actually because we pull a lot of trailers to these mm-hmm. different events so we're constantly in and out of vehicles so the, the question is you know where are the headlights and the wipers in the vehicle that i'm driving right oh, now yeah. <laughs> so it's always like so you know that's what we have uh, you know i grew up though uh, you know back in on the east coast in massachusetts and in pennsylvania and you know my dad grew up with a 1953 willys uh, uh vehicle and a jeep and, and you know we just you just grow up tinkering with things and, and it, it was nice to get into this where you can actually be going off road and fix things and be useful with your the talents that you learned as a as a kid um but yeah so our, our vehicles are like i said we're lucky enough to have a, a like i said a, a fleet of vehicles that that we drive around but we put them through the gamut every year and when we return them they've definitely seen their their off-road abuse uh you know at the end of the season so well, I, i'm sure jeep appreciates uh, finding out all the the very useful information and you can really see uh how well they uh, use that information in the jl i was uh, very happy to see that uh, they didn't go the way of the, the 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 new Cherokee with that. I was very concerned about that, but they uh, I think they've made a very capable vehicle, and the the new JT uh, Gladiator truck I think is uh, is going to be a winner for them as well. Glad to see that they haven't lost their roots, uh, and uh, uh, look forward to seeing what else they're going to come up with. Oh, us too, us too. Yeah, the Gladiator is just I mean you see it at auto shows and. You, your brain just goes around like, what could you do with this? You know, uh, I'm looking forward to the aftermarket community getting their hands on them and developing all the components for the back. And I mean, I think it's just going to be an amazing overlanding vehicle as well. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that has been bad for Jeeps is, uh, uh, cause they're, they're even the four door is kind of small for overlanding. So I think this truck is really going to help that, uh, the overlanding crowd, which is, is, uh, gaining a lot of popularity. All right. I got, <laughs> I got a million dollar idea for you. You go to the, the military, the, the Navy, you talk to them about renting an aircraft carrier. Do you know how many Jeeps you could get on top of the aircraft carrier? <laughs> I don't know, but that'd be pretty fun. I and, have then to tell you, you. and then you cruise around and it's nuclear, so it's free. So you cruise around the, <laughs> yeah, the <right>. world. <laughs> you cruise around the world and you just, you, you get the helicopters in there, military as well, and, and drop them off and you do some wheeling and then you come back and you call it the around the world. Jeep Jamboree around the world. It would be, well, it'd be wonderful. The PR I'm alone. sure the U.S. Navy has nothing else better to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they have some decommissioned, you know, aircraft carrier they can lend us. Like you said, I love how you said it's free. It's nuclear. It's, it's nuclear. totally free. It's free. Energy is completely free. <laughs> 
All right, Pierce, you know how, the, you so. know how the kids love the social media. We've already spoke about uh, JeepJamboreeUSA.com. Uh, where else uh, can uh, can the, the kids find out the pictures, all the, the little things, the little goodies that they can find out about Jeep Jamboree? Sure. We obviously have a Facebook page. You can search us under Jeep Jamboree USA and same with Instagram. You know, Jeep Jamboree USA is your your key name to look up there. So you can find us there and, and we definitely keep that updated frequently to see where, where we are and what we're doing. Oh, and uh, before I forget, you actually are providing us with a little uh, a little uh, something something for our listeners. I believe uh, uh, the code that you can use over at JeepJamboreeUSA.com is Jeep Talk Show, and uh, you can get uh, uh, Jeep Jamboree clothing and gear. Uh, not valid for on actual Jeep Jamboree trips, uh, uh, folks. I, I know you were. Like expecting like, oh, good, I, I can get something off the, the actual trip. No, no, this is over there for the Jeep Jamboree clothing and gear. And the, the coupon will be good through March the 8th. And again, that coupon code is Jeep Talk Show. Just go over to JeepJamboreeUSA.com. Look at their uh, clothing, clothing and gear. And, you know, we'd like to see some pictures of you in it when you get it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a lot of gear. There's tire deflators, toe straps, backpacks, radios. So there's a lot of things uh, on there for people to grab. But it's 50, you, as you go to check out, there's a coupon code box. Drop it in there. It takes 15% off your, your entire order. All right. Now, I got to say this because somebody will try to sue me. I don't want a picture of you inside a, t- a tire deflator. This is like the stuff that mm-hmm. you can put on, you know, and then you not hurt <laughs> yourself. Don't try this at home type stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Well, Pierce, thank you so much. And my God, you're living the dream, man. It just that it totally. just sounds amazing. Uh, how you're not divorced, I don't know, because you sound like you're gone all the time. <laughs> oh, I've one divorce under my bed. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> oh, no, I brought up a, a downer on the interview. Sorry about that. Oh, no, not at all. No, it's, it's, it's good. I'm married to the Jeep brand, right? So it's yeah. good. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks a lot for joining thank us today. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Pierce Umlaw for taking the time to talk about Jeep Jamboree USA. Uh, he is, uh, well, my new favorite person and future boss, Jeez. I hope. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just amazing. Amazing. Seriously. I, I am so jealous of that man's career. Uh, simply amazing lifestyle that he's living. And uh, I, I just oh, can't imagine the adventures this guy is having. Hey, do you want to be a guest on the show? Do you have an idea for a guest? Maybe you work in the off-road industry or you know somebody who does. We want to know your connections or maybe even have you on the show. Everybody has a Jeep story and we want to hear yours. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. Hey, Jeep Talk Show. This is FMG for Colin. My son Logan uh, had something he wanted to say. Hi, Tony. I'm five. Because I heard that you're, you're going to be my brother. Are you excited about that? Yeah. Hey, Nikki. Uh, just let me know when uh, we should expect you here in Connecticut. Um, I think we're actually getting snow in the next couple of days, so uh, have fun with that. And uh, for the rest of you guys, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Hello back, Logan. And uh, I'm either going to be Logan's brother or he's going to have a little brother soon. Did, what Maybe did you Nikki guys get? G is his brother oh, from another Nikki. mother. Ah! G is oh his my brother. god. That's that's horrible. <laughs> FMG bro, I'm sorry to I'm sorry you found this out now. Uh hopefully it wasn't through a DNA test. Oh jeez. I don't think that's a Montel Williams show that we want to see. <laughs> from the mind of Nikki G. 
Hey, this is Nikki G, and I just got a quick comment for Andy. Called in last week about routing his uh, lights. Uh, I was in a situation where I had my passenger side fender off, just because it's it's fun to take things off your Jeep every <laughs> once in a while. But uh, there's there's a grommet where the radio antenna goes through, and it comes right out by the kick panel on the in- where your passenger knee is about. And I, uh, dog, will you leave me alone? If I'm not allowed on the couch, I'm pretty sure you're not. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, there's a rubber grommet where your radio antenna go- enters the cabin. I had my fender off. I was able to access that. So I just pushed a couple of uh, 14-gauge wires in there and just ran it from uh, from about the center of the dashboard where the radio is all the way up to the battery and just left them in there so in the future I could just hook up some relays and stuff. And then I just sealed it up with some black RTV. And then putting the lights on my roof, I just ran one of those wires up the uh, inside A-pillar trim and drilled a hole through the roof and ran it through that. And I just bolted the light bar to the roof. And I made some uh, rubber washers out of uh, some rubber material I found that's similar to a chalk you would find at an airport. And it's been up there a good couple of years now, and I haven't had a drop come in. But I, I, I do check them regularly. All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat to you later. You have a good one. Bye. I'm guessing he meant wheel chalk and not like, you know, sidewalk chalk. Uh, probably. That makes sense. <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> taking a, taking a, I'm going way out on a limb here. <laughs> There's uh, That's not a really good place to uh, let your kids play with uh, sidewalk chalk at an airport, uh, generally no. speaking. <laughs> they get sucked into the, uh, in the, in the engines. Never a good cleanup. <laughs> okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Now, what is it and why do I want it? Well, tonight I'm going to talk about the Worn Recovery Strap. And this is a premium recovery strap, and you can get it for $68.99. And this is something that should be in any off-road recovery kit, and it's the recovery strap. And there are so many out there on the market. It's really tough to choose a quality one that's right for you. Um, So I'm going to talk about the one that I've used um, a few times. And what you need to do is make sure you have a recovery strap and not a toe strap, because recovery straps are designed for the rigors of pulling out a stuck vehicle whereas a tow strap is designed for flat road towing. You also want to make sure the equipment is properly rated and in a serviceable condition. And most of your recovery straps and ropes will come with warning tags that includes information such as the strap type, the rated capacity, the material type, and precautions you need to make. And when you when making sure your gear is right, it's important to consider the weight of your vehicle. And all recovery straps are rated according to their braking strength, which at a minimum should be approximately twice as much as the maximum weight that your vehicle can safely tow. So if your Jeep weighs 5,000 pounds, you're going to need a recovery strap that can pull at least double that amount, um, which is over 10,000 pounds at a minimum. Now, my recovery strap is the Worn Premium Recovery Strap. It's a white strap with black worn letters and it has some blue on it, just for your reference when you're out searching. And the link's going to be in the show notes, so you can check that out. 
Now, I've used this strap several times to pull Jeeps out of sticky situations out on the trails. And I always, always make sure I clean it up after I'm done using it and I let it dry properly. Now, this strap is a high-quality webbing that absorbs shock when doing heavy pulls while its elastic rebound energy helps in fast recovery. It's encased in a high-quality webbing. Encased in high-quality webbing is a red warning marker to let you know if the strap has become damaged. A nylon sliding sleeve to prevent sharp objects while reinforced end loops come with abrasion-resistant worn pads. Now, the pull rating, there's two different sizes of the straps, the 3-inch by 30 or the 2-inch by 30. Now, the 3-inch by 30 has a rating of 21,600 pounds, while the 2 by 30 strap has a rating of 14,400 pounds to help give you and others out on the trail out out of a jam. So this is an important item that everybody should have in their Jeep. I always keep mine under the front seat of my vehicle because that way if you're in a big, huge mud puddle or in some water, you don't have to climb over your back seats to get to the back of your Jeep. You don't have to get out of your Jeep to get in the back to get it. You can just pull it out from underneath your seat and hook yourself up or hook the other people up. It's just easy access. You mean you don't like the uh, the jungle gym climb, uh, you know, the off-camber off jungle gym climb through the Jeep, you know, when you def- yeah. definitely don't need to, to go snag something out of the cargo area? No, I'm, exactly. I'm with you, Tammy. And there is a very distinct difference between a toe strap and a recovery strap. And anybody, regardless of how long they've been jeeping, can identify them at a glance instantly. A toe strap generally has hooks on the end of it. Almost every toe strap you will ever see or buy will come with hooks, whereas a recovery strap has rings on the end. It's just, it, it doesn't have any metal hooks or anything like that. The, the ends of the strap are looped, in other words. And, right. uh, and that's the, that is the major, major difference right there between a, a recovery strap and, and a toe strap. And, and you definitely want the recovery strap, not the toe strap. The toe strap is meant for a static pull on the road, not meant to uh, get a stuck vehicle out of a mud hole or something like that. Now, there is one thing. Now, I love toe straps. They're absolute necessity in your recovery kit. Every Jeeper should have one. But I also am a very big proponent of a Bubba strap. And a Bubba strap kind of takes a recovery strap to the, to the next level and uses a little bit of science to go along with it and something called kinetic energy to help right. pull a vehicle out without that jarring yank. And, uh, and although a recovery strap definitely has its place and is absolutely irreplaceable in some instances of recovery where you, at, where you need to have a recovery strap and a, uh, and a, uh, a bubble rope won't do, um, but, you know, this is something that you definitely want to add to your recovery kit if you don't have one already. I was waiting for that cat to start climbing your uh, your curtain and behind you. That was I was been watching the cat. I can see I, did, I can I see the guys. Was, on, I honestly, I didn't know he was in here. I, I heard some noise earlier, and I was like, "What was that?" I was going to tell you. Sure enough, <laughs> I was going to tell you, Josh, don't turn around don't and look. Turn around. <laughs> but there's oh, a mountain God. line right I've, behind I, you. Yeah, <laughs> I've got multiple <laughs> monitors here in my studio in front of me, and in, in one of the monitors, I have a the, the video going. And right out of the corner of my eye, I see this orange blur coming, you know, behind me. 
<laughs> what was that? Oh, it's just the cat. I I'm, I'm so here. glad you didn't do a girl scream. It would have, it would have hurt our, our reputation. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, I got Skype uh, with these guys, and I can see what's going on. And uh, it's funny sometimes you'll see uh, Tammy's dog that, that needs to go out, uh, walking back and forth behind yeah. her. And, and this is the first. I don't think I've seen the cat before. No, he's, usually I, I I shoo the animals out of the uh, out of the studio for for showtime. He must have been hiding under uh, hiding under a chair or something uh, when I was uh, doing the rounds. I'm but, telling uh, you, he was eyeballing your your curtain drop there, the the background. He was eyeballing it. I was waiting for him uh, to start yeah. going up. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you guys remember or not. Uh, this this was something that was popular when I was a kid. Um, the, uh, I'm thinking being able to get to the back of your vehicle uh, easily without having to get out or, or getting anything wet or anything, it would have been uh, especially uh, good for the, uh, the drive-in movie days because, uh, you know, getting in the back without people seeing you was the way to go. Oh. <laughs> Do you have no, an I'm idea just... for a product? Oh. <laughs> moving on. Uh, uh, moving on. <laughs> Were you going to say something, Josh? I was just going to say I've I've seen uh, a lot of the guys uh, will will hook up their recovery strap oh, yeah. to the back of their vehicle and then just sort of loop it in uh, through the tailgate uh, or through the hatch or or whatever and and it just sort of sits there and it's like See, well, that's a I don't bad know how attitude. that works out on your on your weather <laughs> weather stripping but uh, but all right you know go go on and and just smash right. that weather that's that somebody stripping. looking for defeat uh, you know to <laughs> me that's just you know you're signaling the wrong thing <laughs> do you have an idea for a product review just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review so we got a, a voicemail from Nate. Uh, do we have time? Should I play that, or maybe next week? He's not important. I don't, I would <laughs> disregard it. I, I think we can play Nate. I want to oh, hear from you Nate. suck up. <laughs> hey guys, it's Nate. I just had a question for you guys, or your listeners in general. I've recently noticed that the high lift jack is getting less and less popular in the off-roading world because a lot of people think it's just too dangerous to have around. Um, I have long been a supporter of the high lift jack. I've had one in the back of my Jeep for the past 20 years or so. In fact, the high lift jack is one of the first things I bought when I started modifying my first Jeep, and it's carried on throughout every Jeep I've owned. Um, I'm just curious. How do you guys feel about the high lift jack? How do your listeners feel about the high lift jack? Uh, it's just feels like the industry in general is starting to get angry at the high lift for some reason. All right. Thanks for the show. And thanks. Bye. So my dad taught me a long time ago when using power tools, especially like a, uh, a radial saw or something that uh, you should uh, squint your eyes in case any debris gets thrown out and that's <laughs> less likely to go into your eyes. And I think you should do the same thing with your high lift jack, uh, Nate. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with Nate a little bit on this, but that's primarily because of over the last 10 or 15 years, we've seen a, a gross availability of Chinese knockoffs. And so we have these, these not high lift jacks yeah, that, that are, 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 are putting into, into situations where they're, they're having to be relied on in a way that a high lift jack would be, and they just aren't built to the same standards. And so we've seen some accidents happen. We've seen some misuse. We've seen some issues and problems arise, but nine out of 10 times they're with one of these Chinese knockoff Harbor Freight versions of a actual true high lift jack. Not all high lift jacks are created equal. 
And so you'll see these guys on the trail with, yeah, you know, I spent $40 on my high lift jacket. I bet you did. And I'm not going to be anywhere near you when you go to try and use it. Um, So a high lift jacket has to be a true high lift. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, do a little bit of research. There is only one true high lift brand. They are still around. They are still making jacks. And there really is no comparison. Um, there And there really is no substitute when you need an off-road jack. You can't, I mean, I've seen guys that have pulled a, a floor jack out of the back of their Jeep and it's like, really? You wheel with that <laughs> thing around, you know? I mean, four foot handle and everything, guys. Um, and it's just not practical. A bottle jack, again, not practical. And also just really isn't going to really cut the bill. And a scissor jack, it's even, even worse at that point. A high lift jack is really the only way to go. And it's really, you, you're going to get what you pay for. Trust me, fork out the dollars for the genuine, true high lift jack. And the rebuild kits are out there. If you get an old one off of Craigslist or something like that, invest in the rebuild kit. It'll be good as new. Trust me. So I was uh, just remembered our conversation last week that uh, the big huffing bag from uh, ARB, that's, <laughs> that's, pro- <laughs> that's probably a good, uh, a good safe alternative to the high lift jack, but it's a lot more expensive. Also, you have to be able to inflate that thing enough to get from the ground to your axle shaft or from um, your axle tube, rather, or to your frame rail or something like that. And you may be in an off-camber position or something like that where the ground terrain or you just don't have that kind of Z. You don't have, you know, that bag will not inflate enough. You need that 48 or 52 inches of lift that you can get from a from a uh, farm jack or a high lift jack. Well, inflating and, and, inflating it shouldn't be a problem for you. You get lungs of a tuna. <laughs> Thanks, I think. <laughs> tuna, dolphin, same thing. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. You know, we haven't heard much from uh, Brian at Route 16 here for a while. Been using the... Uh, the fire pit out here but uh i got an email today actually we all got an email today from brian and uh, uh route one six has kind of been quiet for a little while but they're coming back baby yeah i saw that uh brian is um had some had some readjustments they had to make and uh route one six is going to be um are making a relaunch here very soon uh with uh, some very impressive stuff happening uh i can't wait to get that out to you guys some big news happening here in the off-road industry so um, stay tuned to future episodes for a big announcement from Route 16 coming up. Yeah, of course, you can always go to Route16.com and uh, check out what they got now. It's not like they went away. Just uh, Brian's uh, taking a sabbatical. So we should be seeing more and hearing more from them very soon. You know, I had to take a little bit of a break from wrenching on the Jeep and doing a lot of uh, a lot of wrenching lately. And it just seems like every weekend um, it, it's a lot of stuff getting checked off the list and, and new stuff popping up and, and that sort of stuff. Now, I, uh, you guys remember I, I was working with the, uh, the heater core here recently and had the dash off a couple of times having to deal with that. Um, putting that all back together, driving uh, the Jeep uh, through some inclement weather that we had here uh, last week or so. Um, got in the Jeep and was, uh, getting on the freeway, uh, heading home from work and, uh, go to turn the fan down and it won't turn down. <laughs> oh, oh dear. I, I can't believe crazy. you had it on high to start with. 
Oh yeah, I always have it on high. As you know, I, I I like the air moving and, and stuff, and and, so uh, and what, with it being like twenty degrees out here, I I needed to warm that Jeep up kind of fast. So, yeah, it's it's been brutally cold out here uh, lately, and uh, and and the the heater in the Jeep is is really really good. Uh, so yeah, cranking that fan, but it so I instantly knew, okay, I, this is a common problem, you know. Um, but it really wasn't, and it, it didn't take me until the following weekend when I had the replacement part, uh, the the resistor pack that enables the the um, uh, the the Jeep heater fan uh, to have a a low, medium, and high setting, you know, more or less. You have those different settings, uh, and and the fan spin at different speeds. Um, when that goes bad, the fan usually only has a high setting, and generally that only works in position number four, the high setting. Uh, mine was not quite the same issue. I, I was having a, a slightly different issue where my fan was high all the time. Uh, regardless of the the selector position, I couldn't even turn it off unless I turned the key off or I pulled the actual relay from the from the the, the blower motor. Um, so. It, kind of an interesting bit of troubleshooting I had to go through. And uh, even after replacing the relay twice and the uh, the resistor pack, I still had the same problem. And so to the interwebs I went and I couldn't find anybody that had this exact same problem. It was always, well, it's the resistor pack or it's the motor and it's this issue or it's that. It wasn't, well, you can't shut your fan off unless you turn the key off type of thing. It was always well, it just it's stuck on high, but only in position four, and anything else, it just plain and simply doesn't work. And that is the, the quintessential telltale that your resistor pack has gone bad. Very easy swap in 99% of the Jeeps out there, um, and it's a relatively inexpensive part as well. Well, through my research, I, I found that um, I, I must have had a, a short somewhere. And so this, you know, this kind of troubleshooting is, is lengthy and, and uh, takes a bit of time, uh, about three and a half hours, I finally discovered that I had a section of wiring harness that was being smashed against the firewall by the flange of the drain plug or the, the, the drain tube from the HVAC box. That goes through a grommet in the firewall, and that flange had caught a little bit of a, uh, um, a wire loom that stretches across the floorboard of the passenger side of the Cherokees. And, uh, and th through the process of getting that HVAC box back in there, I must have snagged a corner of that wire loom and smashed it against the firewall, hence causing my short. And uh, it took me a long time to find that, but eventually I did and uh, got things all cleaned up and everything's working great and got the interior all put back together now. And now I'm moving on to the next thing, which is uh, rear disc brake swap. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, at doing some different things with that. So I'm putting together the parts list and we'll be tackling that here very soon but it's current sort of one of those things of you know well while you're in there <laughs> you might as well do this and so yeah I, the, the list is getting long quick that's interesting about the wiring um that you found that that it was like smushed and i'm wondering if that's what my headlight issue is oh interesting because you have to like shove everything up in there so, knock on wood, my headlights are doing fine right now, but I'll have to keep that in mind if they go out again. So, um, when I got home from work today, I got a letter in the mailbox from FCA, and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what this is. And Not it a wasn't, paycheck. No, it wasn't a refund <laughs> check. You want a brand new Jeep. No, not even the $500 off your next Jeep 
um, coupon. It was a safety recall. Well, oh, you are kind of dangerous, not, so I can understand why they wouldn't want yeah, you driving their, jug, their stuff. They heard I was trail guiding. And yeah. Sent out a, a notice Cease and desist. desist. I, bet you, right. I bet you she momentarily went, oh, my God, how did they know? Right. Yeah, right. Shoot. No, um, it says it's for certain 2015 Jeep Wrangler vehicles. Black Which ones. is, yeah, all black Wranglers. <laughs> it's, no. just, it's, too, it's too damn dark. People can't see you. Safety recall. <laughs> The, you need to paint your Jeep red. Um, <laughs> oh, if it was the, only oh, oh, we said April first is coming up. I don't know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get a copy of that, Tammy? I want to. Sure. I want to make it sure, look official. <laughs> um, my front passenger airbag inflator, the PAB on my vehicle, may contain propellant that degraded after prolonged exposure to high absolute humidity, high temperatures, and high temperature cycling. Activation of an inflator with degraded propellant in a vehicle crash where the PAB is designed to deploy may result in the inflator explosion. An inflator explosion may cause metal fragments to pass through the airbag and into the vehicle interior at high speeds, which may result in injury or death. Come on, Josh. Occupants. It could kill you. It could kill you. <laughs> yes. So... This process, they say, should only take two hours. It's, you know, free of charge, blah, blah, blah. Dad so, is going to pull out one airbag assembly and, and put in another. Right. <laughs> the guy, and the guy's got like, he's like, he's so many of them have popped on him. He's like shell-shocked and he's going, oh, God, he's squinty. He's got this big, you know. Bloodshot eyes. This grizzly. won't stop this, shaking. This grizzly right. suit on. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to... Um, Call the Jeep dealer and set up an appointment and get this fixed. No, that shouldn't be too bad, Tammy. I, there's something you can do on a lunch break. You know, I mean, not a right. lunch break, but, uh, you know, an right. afternoon, uh, something like that. Hey, you might even be able to get a, a JL loaner out of the whole deal for, a, for an I afternoon know. or something. Probably a renegade. Let's be, let's be serious. Oh, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> can, you, can you give me a loaner here? Let me test out the JL. Um, so that's been my exciting Week. Well, you have to let us know uh, what happens over the next coming weeks and uh, how that all plays out. My, yep. uh, my youngest daughter uh, got a new job. She was working at Starbucks for a very long time, and uh, she got a job at a, a local um, dealership. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. It's a high-end automobile, not Audi. Uh, I think it's Mercedes. But anyway, uh, so she gets to interact a lot with customers. And the other day, uh, one of the customers came in and was trying to get a loaner car. Uh, to drive around while they were working on uh, her car, and she did not have a driver's license. Not only oh, it, 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 oh it wasn't goodness. that she didn't have it with her, she didn't have a driver's license. Holy crap! And, and Mandy had to explain to her, "Sorry, ma'am, I can't give you a loaner's car if you don't have a license to drive." <laughs> yeah, really though. <laughs> oh my god, people are so and, stupid. And the person was pissed. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. I figured she was from California, you know, where you don't need IDs. So yeah, I was 80 years old, yeah. and, you know, been driving for 60 some odd years. Right. And, she doesn't have know, a license. I don't need a Never license. Never had a license. You kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you were mentioned about uh, pinched uh, wiring causing the, mm -hmm. the heater fan to be on. Uh, now, I know I've told you guys, I can't remember if I've mentioned it on the show or not, but I was having, my, my Jeep was down for a couple of weeks because I had a, a check engine light come on while I was headed to work one day, and it actually went into limp mode. I think I did mention this on the show. Right. So, um, digging around, did a lot of things, you know, parts, 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 money, 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 
And then none of that made any difference. And I finally took the advice of a friend of mine telling me it's probably something electrical. <laughs> started checking the wiring. And I found that um, that one of a couple of wires were actually frayed. Uh, the uh, insulation was off of them, and they could literally touch if the the, oh the connector thing uh, was able was twisted just the right way. Anyway, so I I, I fixed that as good as I could without uh, cutting it off and replacing the connector, which I would be doing in the future. Um, but apparently. Um, there's power to those things, or I had the key on while I was doing it, which caused an issue. So I added more check engine light codes oh, <laughs> in the yeah. process, but I focused on the original one, which was having a problem uh, electrical uh, issue with solenoid A and the transmission. Now I was fearful that my transmission was going to go out, especially since you know Nate started this whole thing with the transmission failing. Oh, yeah. So uh, I was very happy to find out it wasn't the transmission didn't have an issue. That was an electrical connection between um, the uh, transmission control module and the transmission. So uh, I couldn't find any issue whatsoever. So I finally just ran a jumper from one one uh, side of the connector to the other side of the connector. In other words, bypassing that one line for solenoid A. Uh, and that seemed to have uh, fixed the issue. Now, I did change out the transmission control module because I had one from years back that I got off of eBay. And the, it, and the problem went away. But, and the point that I'm getting to <laughs> eventually, is right. three uh, check engine uh, light codes were still there. And I was just so, after just dealing with all the rest of that crap is like, okay, I'm, I'm done for today. I got rid of the one. That means I can drive this, but my uh, inspection is due this month, February. Oh. So, you know, I'll, I'll fight this later. And I came in. Did you say this month, February? It's March, Tony. That's true. But uh, we're recording this in, uh, in February. So uh, the 28th, actually. Um, so, yeah. It had three error codes, a P, this is for a Jeep, 98 Jeep Cherokee. And it had a P700, a P705, and a P443. So I came in uh, and did a search as I was, you know, relaxing from having been working on the Jeep. And I looked that up, and I found one obscure post. And it started with PSA, like as in public service oh, announcement. Yeah. But it was just somebody, just a, a guy posting on Reddit. And he said that if you've got a P700, a P705, and a P443 on a 98 Jeep Cherokee, it's the fuse number 10 in the next to the passenger side kick panel. And I'm thinking to myself, no way. Went out. Uh, after I was already tired, I went, now nah, i got to check this. If this is it, this will be great. Went out, pulled the fuse. It was blown. How about that? So apparently, whenever I was working on that connector that is part of uh, the uh, NSS, the neutral safety switch uh, interlock, I, I shorted that and caused the, the fuse to blow. Then went on, I, w I went on a 30-minute search looking for a 15-amp fuse. And Josh, I think you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you looked it up, and there's so many things that are yeah. controlled uh, through that power connection. And uh, it was just amazing. So... If you guys, basically what I'm telling you is don't give up hope. I drove the, the Jeep the next day. I've had no error codes uh, this week, Monday through Thursday, and I'm going to go get it inspected tomorrow. Typically, I mean, actually, I needed to do it in February, but screw them. I'm going to go get, the, get it inspected tomorrow and uh, get my tag. So very happy. 
Check yeah, check lights, this out. So. This, uh, everything that's on uh, this one fuse, fuse number 10 in the in the 97 to 2001 Cherokees is a 15-amp fuse that controls the transmission range sensor, the duty cycle EVAP canister, purge solenoid, radiator fan relay, AC clutch relay, Please. O2 sensor upstream and downstream relays, and the backup lamp switch. All are ran through this single fuse, which if it blows, yes, you're... <laughs> You're gonna light up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> that's that's a, that's just amazing. I mean, th- all that going through that single fuse and could cause so many problems with your drivability. I, I was surprised that it drove as well as it did. Whenever you uh, sent me that thing, it had the O2 sensors because when you don't yeah. have an O2 sensor working, it, it it gets ugly pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, uh, uh, after the Jeep being down for two weeks, mainly from me just not wanting to, uh, to figure out what the electrical issues are, because you know we all know electrical issues can just be a really pain in the ass. Well, you experienced it, Josh, with uh, with mm. yours. You have to yeah, look no, and look. No and bus look. issue I had a number of years back, yeah. Yep. And uh, so anyway, hang in there. You can figure it out. Hey, you want to join in on the Campfire Side Chat? We would certainly love to have you. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Now, some events from around the world and maybe in your neck of the woods. Let us know about an event that you are organizing or are a part of. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Click and fill out our wheeling wear form. Information comes to us and we'll get it out to the masses. Happening March 23rd is the first annual Lone Star Jeep Invasion. We actually interviewed uh, the people involved with this here recently. Uh, for more information on this, we'll have a link to uh, the website. But you can get uh, all that sort of stuff. It's happening at the Lone Star Convention Center in Conroe, Texas. Uh, uh, March let me help 23rd. you. Conroe, Texas. There you go. Conroe, Texas. There you got it. <laughs> also, uh, April 10th through the 13th weekend long event, the 15th annual Tennessee Mountain Jeep Jamboree happening in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a Jeep Jamboree USA event. And for more information on these events or any events that we have talked about here wheeling wear on the jeep talk show just check out the episode you're listening to show notes at jeeptalkshow.com didn't we just talk to that guy that guy runs the whole thing (laughs) runs the whole thing indeed i think he flies the helicopters too no (laughs) (laughs) that's it for the show for this week my fellow jeeper until next week be sure to like and friend us on facebook and as always thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded jeep podcast It's my birthday and I'll drink if I want to, drink if I want to, drink if I want to. I just did the show half drunk and I bet you didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Which half? (laughs) (laughs) Podcasting since 2010.